Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be with you all. Um, this is new for me. I get to share. I get to preach. And what a weekend to do it. I was excited for, for weeks. When Brian asked me to preach, I was just like, yes, of course I would preach on Easter. Um, it's actually pretty easy to preach on Easter. There's not much to do. You just kind of declare the goodness of God and what he did on the cross and, and how um, his resurrection means everything for us as believers. And even just as we were worshiping, I didn't plan this, but uh, 1 Corinthians 15, I was reminded of this verse when Paul writes, he says, if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation or our preaching is in vain, and so is your faith. That's an incredible statement that the resurrection means that we live free, we live alive, we have faith, we have the ability to live and walk in a relationship with God, and, and the resurrection means everything. Jesus is alive today. And so that's what I'm going to preach on, that's what I'm going to share you, with you um, about. And yeah, I'm just so amazed at God's love, his grace, and his mercy that while we were enemies with God, he reconciled us, he paid the price for us, we didn't earn it, nothing we could do would deserve the, the grace that he showed us, but the truth is that while we were enemies with Christ, he paid the ultimate price. Um, hopefully you guys got to enjoy Easter week at Rehope. Um, those of you who are there on Wednesday, you braved the weather. It was a little bit rainy. We weren't there, um, but we saw the pictures and the videos, and it looked like an incredible time of worshiping and just thanking God for who he is. Um, those of you who were there on Good Friday, uh, that was a powerful, powerful moment to realize that the price that Jesus paid was so great and so high, um, but that price determines our value to the Father, which is, is an incredible, incredible reality. Um, we went out as a group yesterday and got to share God's love with some people on the streets. It was a beautiful weekend, and so we had good weather on our side. Um, got to share, share just God's love with people simply, just saying, hey, have you ever heard that God loves you? Um, it was a small group of us, but a few people... Yeah, got to hear God's love for the first time. One person in particular um, said they'd never heard it before. I asked him, I was like, have you ever heard this truth of what Jesus did on the cross? He's like, no, I never heard it before. He's from China, and he's like, I never grew up with this. And so we got to pray with him, pray with his friend. Um, and it was just such a reminder of the need for God's love in our world that we live in. Um, so a lot of you don't know me. I realize I'm seeing unfamiliar faces, I'm seeing familiar faces, but I um, wanted to take the time just to share who we are, me and my wife Amanda and our two boys um, at, at the time in 2020 when we moved, it was just one boy. We've had one Scottish-born kid now um, as of last October. And, um, but we moved in 2020 to Glasgow um, to work with Rehope, to work with university students and young adults. Um, but really, it, it was just a desire to share this truth that I'm going to get to share with you today of God's love, his unending love um, that we get to enter into and I grew up a pastor's kid, and so Easter was always a busy time for our family. We, we did all the Easter festivities, the Good Friday, Friday services. We had Monday, Thursday foot washing services, I remember growing up. 
that my dad took me along to. Um, we had lots of amazing, fun family activities, games. As Americans, we like to go all out for Easter, so we don't just kind of sit in like somber, like solemnness during Easter time. We like to worship and celebrate. Um, we have big choirs. Like our church was pretty big growing up, and so I remember all these big choirs um, that would be just worshiping God. Um, on Saturday, we do the family events, which had the inflatables and petting zoos, like we did petting, we went all out, we were very extra um, in the way that we celebrate Easter, and I loved it, I thought it was so much fun, Um, but to be honest, it it was never truly personal to me growing up, I never really knew why a God in heaven would forgive me, pay a price for me that I didn't deserve, I didn't see in myself, uh, for someday for me to get to heaven and to know him, even though I didn't know him now in this life, I didn't understand the reasoning behind it, I didn't understand how a God could love me that much. Um, and so it never really was, was personal for me growing up. Um, so for 22 years, I lived for myself. And I grew, grew up in church, like I said, I was surrounded by the things of God. I went to the events, I went to the youth group events, I went to um, some college events. We actually went to a Christian university back in the States and was around the things of God so much. But for me, I lived for myself. And I didn't, I didn't realize the value that was placed on my life because of the cross. And so I lived up to the value that I saw in myself, which wasn't good. So behind closed doors, I was broken. I was lonely. I was insecure. I was wrapped up in sin. I, I fell into addiction at a pretty young age. I was unsure of what God thought about me. I, I heard truths of scripture, but it just felt so distant. I felt so impersonal to God. And, and the more that I felt that way, the more I began to cope, and the more I began to fall into more sin, which led to more guilt, which led to more shame, and then more and more the affirmation of, I, I just don't know God, just built in my heart, and I, I was around it so much, but I never truly knew the God in heaven. It wasn't until I was 22, um, it was our first year of marriage, actually, me and Amanda, and I remember one night in particular, God just didn't let me go to sleep. I was... I was I was like just doing a normal day and it came to evening time and it was time to go to bed and I felt like just 22 years of my life, 22 years of failure in my own heart, guilt in my own heart just welled up and became so real and so just in front of me that I didn't know what to do. I felt like I was at a crossroads and I I had to either choose to not believe in God or choose to, to receive his forgiveness for the first time and to believe that over myself and to put everything else aside and say, his, his price that was paid for me was worth it. And so there was a lot of tears that night. I remember just being so broken and so, so just, yeah, just real before God, saying, my sin is real. And yet I believe and I see it in scripture that you say you forgive us, you say that you love us. My wife prayed over me, and she really modeled what that forgiveness and love looked like. And that, that night changed everything for me when I received God's love and his grace and forgiveness for the first time. Verses like Isaiah 53 became so real. Um, it says in Isaiah 53, verse 6 through 7, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. And yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that was led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that had been before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. The further on in Isaiah, it says uh, in verse 10, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see its offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And out of the anguish of his soul, 
He shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. That was the reality that I began to realize and see over myself that despite my failures and despite my sin, God forgave me, God loved me, and God had a purpose for me. And that was the thing that really changed was when I look at that passage, I see passion, I see love, I see a God that didn't just sit back and wait for us to improve or wait for us to, to, to get right. It was him that made us right. And so I began to walk in that. I understood in that moment in time that God, what he wanted most of all was for me to allow him to forgive me. To not just say, oh yeah, God forgives me, God loves me, but to allow that to be true in my own life personally. It says in Romans 5 verse 6 that while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So Easter is a celebration of that. Easter is a celebration of us entering into that, that gift that God has given humanity to, to receive and believe and to have faith in a God that did all the work for us. And that's humbling. That, that causes us to change. And I remember that was the big thing for me that, that made a difference was I didn't just take that for granted like I had so many times being a part of church services, being a part of Easter gatherings. I began to want to be like Jesus. I began to see something in him. I was like, wow, he's a man that lived on this earth that walked on this earth, that experienced everything that we experienced, and yet he responded in such a way that made me want to be like him and to live a life of love and to live a life that is free from, from the things of this world that so many people are just weighed down and discouraged by. And I saw that in him, and I was like, I want to be like you. And so I took it to him in prayer. Um, my wife was such a good example of this. She, the, the way that she relates to God is very, very personal. And, and even in this season of life as parents, she spends so much time in prayer just her and God, um, when she can get it. <laughs> it's a little bit hard to find that time sometimes. But, but the, the prayer life that we started entering into and receiving that personally made the difference. So we were called to follow Jesus. That was something that was new for me. Um, it's, like I said, something that we, we read about and we see a lot in the Bible. But the purpose isn't just to forgive us and to give us a ticket to heaven someday. The purpose is to restore us to a life that he's created for us since the very beginning. Since the very beginning of creation that we say every week that we have a purpose and a destiny. And that Jesus came to fulfill that and to get sin out of the way so that we could actually step into who we were created to be from the very beginning. To bear his image to the world. Did you know that that's why Jesus died? Did you know that he forgave you not just to, to give you a ticket past judgment someday? That's a, that's a real reality that we get to celebrate and be a part of. But what does that look like today? What does that look like tomorrow when you go into work? What does that look like on Tuesday afternoon when you're around some screaming toddlers and, and life just seems so overwhelming? Knowing Jesus, it says in John 17, that knowing Jesus is eternal, eternal life. And that's the gift that we get to step into as Christians. I think if we're careful, or if we're not careful, sometimes we can show up on Easter and hear a gospel that benefits us only instead of transforms our lives makes us more like Jesus, makes us want to be like him. It says in 1 John 2, verse 6, the one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. It's a verse that I come back to a lot because I think that outlines what it is that we're called to. We're called to look like Jesus, to follow him, to respond the way he does. When we're accused and mistreated like we, we saw on Good Friday, 
what do we see in Jesus? We see a life that was free from that. A life that was, yes, there's realities and there's, there's hard things that, that we go through. But the way he responded was in love and in self-sacrifice. And that's something that I want to be a part of. That's something I want to grow in. So, yeah, that's what, that's what he did. <laughs> um, and Jesus said to follow him is to deny ourselves and take up our own cross and walk, walk alongside of him. So that's the intro. <laughs> um, today we're talking about the resurrection and the beauty of the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. As I was praying about this message, God actually led me to kind of an obscure verse that maybe some of you have never read before. It's a really um, kind of small picture in Hebrews. Um, in chapter 7, I'm going to read. But it says this phrase that just stood out to me as I was preparing for this message. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 15. And what we have said is more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears one who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, and this is the phrase that stood out to me, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. Isn't that cool? <laughs> the power of an indestructible life. I remember reading that once, once years ago. I was like, whoa, that's, like, that's a sermon title right there. That's something that you can like, preach from, the power of an indestructible life. And that, God just kept reminding me of that. And it led me to Acts 2, verse 22, when... when um, yeah, the, the disciples get up and they're talking about the gospel and talking about the reality of what Jesus did. It says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, loosening the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. I think about that, that reality of, yes, God is sovereign, and yes, he raised Jesus from the dead to fulfill scriptures, but it wasn't even possible for death to keep a hold of Jesus, that he was, he was going through the, the realities of, of being persecuted and to be ultimately killed and placed in a tomb, but that tomb couldn't hold him. Why couldn't it hold him? I was just thinking about this as I was preparing for this message. Jesus' life was marked by that, that phrase, the power of an indestructible life. But it's not just an Easter example. There's example after example through the life of Jesus that I was coming back to and realizing that his indestructible life started from the moment he came to earth. That he lived sinless despite going through everything that we go through. It says in Hebrews 4.15 that Jesus was tempted at all points and yet without sin. So there's no excuse for us. He's gone through everything that we go through, every discouragement and heartache, and yet he found a way to overcome it. That life itself couldn't overcome the truth that was inside of him. Some of the examples I read, it says when Jesus uh, preached in Nazareth for the first time, and they tried to throw him off a cliff. Do you remember that story? <laughs> and he just got back up and kept preaching, kept healing, kept declaring. What led him to do that? It was the power of an indestructible life. When thousands of people came to Jesus in the feeding of the 5,000 and heard his teaching and saw the miracles, but then decided to turn away from him in mass droves, what kept Jesus' spirit up to continue with the message that he preached? It was the power of an indestructible life. When the disciples were the ones that were called to carry the torch of the gospel and to follow in their master's footsteps, failed time and time and time again, wanting to blow up cities in one situation, what led Jesus to continue to have hope for them and to disciple them and to pour into them? It was the power of an indestructible life. 
when the Pharisees accused him of having a demon and breaking the laws on the Sabbath and the customs of Moses, what kept him calm and certain of his calling? It was the power of an indestructible life. When his disciples scattered in fear as Jesus was taken away by soldiers, what gave Jesus hope to continue on? It was the power of an indestructible life. When Jesus was beaten and bruised by the hands of men and paraded on the streets as a criminal, even though that he was purely innocent, what kept him from ending the pain? He was God, after all. He could end the pain. What kept him from ending the pain or crying out to God? It was the power of an indestructible life. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, disfigured, shamed, as men cursed and mocked him, what caused him to look up to the Father and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It was the power of an indestructible life. And finally today, what made it possible for death itself to withhold its hold on Jesus? It was the power of an indestructible life. We see that in Jesus. We see this, this life that was indestructible and unwavering. But it didn't just end with him. As we know, he had disciples. He had people that were following him. And he said, Let's continue on. Carry the ministry. Carry the gospel to all the nations. And we read in Acts, this church that was unwavering. And yeah, it experienced persecution, experienced hard things. But look at where we're at today. The gospel's gone out throughout the globe and it's impacted and changed cultures because of a church that carried that torch of an indestructible life. Paul was an example of that. Every time he entered the city, it seemed like he was getting beaten, stoned, or causing riots. Um, he was part of shipwrecks, thrown in jail. Did his message waver? No, it didn't. It, it stayed the same, which is amazing. One of my favorite examples is uh, John in, in the Isle, Isle of Patmos. We were talking about this as the, the Remainers the other week, where he was exiled, as we know, to the Isle of Patmos. And a lot of people speculate and think that they just couldn't kill him. He was actually, according to church tradition, boiled in oil. And he, they couldn't kill him. And so they exiled him off to this isle in Patmos. It was this, this reality of life not coming against us and taking away what it is that we carry, um, that the disciples carry, that Jesus carried. But you might be thinking about that and be like, wow, that just seems too good to be true. You're thinking about your life and like all the hard things that we go through. And it is true. It is a little vague to think about that concept of an indestructible life. Um, if we're honest with ourselves, life is pretty easy. It, it shakes us pretty easy. It makes, makes us discouraged. It makes us down. Especially in the world we live in now, finances are tight. There's, there's a, a pandemic that we've now all come through where we now see that that is something that the world can experience is, is a pandemic of, of sickness and heartache and isolation. So life does get difficult, but what does this mean that an indestructible life is available to us? This is kind of the main point I want to just pass on to you guys is that indestructible life, according to scripture when I see it, is a life that is devoted to and empowered by love. An indestructible life is a life devoted to and empowered by love. When God made Adam and Eve in the garden, he made them complete in him. That they had a relationship from the very beginning of time that was intimate, that was full of, of life and good things. They had purpose, they had fellowship with him. His, his life for them was the source of their life. But when sin came, we read that they were cut off from that source of love. And so they became in desperate need of love. I think that's the core root of, of sin is there's, there's choosing our own way and desiring to, to find love in all the wrong places. Um, but thankfully, Jesus, that's what he came to restore. It doesn't say that Jesus came to restore us back to heaven. It says he came to restore us back to the Father, 
back to a relationship that we can have with him where we can draw upon his love, his unconditional love on a day-to-day basis. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this is a famous chapter we read a lot at weddings, but I think it's applicable in all, all scenarios and all situations. It says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. It is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never fails. Does that sound a bit like Jesus to you? When we think about the events that we've been meditating on the past few days, does that sound like the suffering Savior, the King of the universe? He was the, the example of love that we get to look at in his life and in his death and his resurrection. It says that the law and the prophets hang on two commands, to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else comes underneath those two two laws. It says that if we don't have love, then what do we have? We have nothing. Love is the goal. It says in 1 Timothy that the aim of our preaching and our instruction is love, to grow in love and to become love. But what does that look like to be devoted and empowered by this kind of love in your day-to-day life? I think that's where it comes down to the practical is we have to have time beyond the church service and beyond just the, the gathering and the hype to come before God and to receive that love for ourselves personally. It looks like waking up each day, and this is going to be a challenging statement, waking up each day with a mindset that no one owes me a thing and it's my privilege to love others. I was thinking about that and I was like, wow, that's a big ask. (laughs) That's honestly a little scary. If you wake up every day, you go into work, you go into your days with that mindset that no one owes me anything and it's my privilege to love others. I think God is so gracious in how we approach him in our prayer times, in our Jesus times, as Brian calls them. I love that he calls them that, the Jesus times. The times uh, beyond just your Bible read-through reading, which is amazing and good. Time where you're just sitting in prayer and receiving from God who he is and what he says over you. God's so gracious to, to take our desire in those moments and to take our, our desire to be like him and to bring grace into that and to transform us to look more like him. And that's so I want to do that. I want to look at uh, something like that and say nobody owes me a thing but it's my privilege to love others I want to wake up each day with that mindset because that's the mindset of Jesus that's what he paid for and if he paid for it and if he paid an ultimate price for us to be reconciled to him then I want to be a vessel of reconciliation to the world around me so we spend time with him and allow his love to replace whatever is in your life that might, might be stealing your identity might be drawing upon your love. Maybe you're feeling weary in this season. Maybe you're feeling broken. Maybe you're like me, where back when I was sharing a little bit of my story, that you're feeling just at the end of yourself and your sin and, and your temptations. And if, if you're in addiction, if your addictions are just out of control and you feel completely helpless, maybe it's, it's time for you to step into that place of relationship with God and to start believing what he says over you that he does love you, and that he paid the price for your sin to be washed completely clean. So this looks different in different seasons of life. Maybe you're a student. Maybe you're a student, and you're coming into exams, and you're just overwhelmed by life, and you're just feeling like, how am I going to get through these next few weeks? Maybe you placed your identity in what you do, that God approves of you, uh, based off of how well you perform in school, or what, what your vision for your life looks like, and that 
if you got that, that degree and got those scores up the way that you wanted to and, and the future looks bright for you, then maybe God has a little bit more of, a, of a, a joy for you or a little bit more pleasure in you. Maybe in your workplace, maybe you're dealing with a coworker or a boss or a manager that is, is difficult to work with and is, is not easy to love. Maybe that's the area of surrender in your life. Maybe that's the area where you need to invite the gospel to become real for you. Rather than being driven by performance at work, maybe the amount of money that you can make, you're allowing God to fill you with worth because he says that you are worthy of the blood of Jesus. It changes everything. For us, I'm going to talk to parents for a little bit. I feel like this is a, this is a real thing in our life. Parenting is, is difficult, and it is a challenge to, to step into a season of parenting and to see your kids and to see your situations on a day-to-day basis and to love and to, to model that lifestyle for kids that are learning how to respond to that and learning to be appreciative. Amanda and I, um, like I said, we have two boys, and one of our boys now is three, uh, three and a half, going on four, and then our other little boy just turned six months old. And I remember six months ago when we had him, um, we were so just overjoyed and excited. And as any parent is when they first have another kid, it's they, they see a life that is, is ours to take care of and to model what living in Jesus looks like. And so we were excited and we were joyful. Um, and we quickly learned that every kid is different. <laughs> and so Quill, who's our oldest, he was a pretty good kid. He slept really well. Um, he was very calm, very, very easy to kind of take care of. August, on the other hand, is, is a fighter. Like, he loves to, to kind of, like, push us around. And he's just, like, a little bit more of kind of a grunty baby, so, like, he wouldn't sleep super well. And we quickly realized that living um, with, with August was going to be a, li- a little bit more of a challenge. And um, so the busyness of having a toddler and the busyness of caring for an infant just kind of crept in. Um, I st- stopped spending time with God in a way that I used to. I stopped um, having time to spend with him, t- time to read scripture and time in prayer. Um, August, on the, uh, at the same time, s- stopped uh, sleeping in a season of life where he, he was just going through times where it was difficult for him to fall asleep. And yeah, it just all kind of piled up. And this was about six months ago. At the same time, daytimes were filled with the reality of a toddler who would rather play Peter Pan and jump off the sofa than come for, eat for dinner. And it was just, it was wild. And I know any parent in the room, you know what that season is like. And my prayers quickly became help. <laughs> that, was base, that was the basis of all my prayers was just, God, help. I'm feeling just at the end of myself. I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling like I just have no energy left to give. But we wanted our lives to change and we wanted our circumstances to improve improved so much that we prayed and we asked God for help, but circumstances actually got worse for a bit. Um, and so I started losing hope and I started feeling this like sense of it, will things change? And I, I love that our church is called Rehope. And if you're new to Rehope, that is what we want to, to bring you to is a place that you have hope and you know that there is, is a, a place to go in God um, where your circumstances can change. But the thing that I started realizing in this place of parenting was that my circumstances shouldn't need to change for me to, to know God's love and to be equipped and empowered in his love. And so God, through different means, through different people, started speaking into me. Um, I started once again in a season of life like I had years ago, came to the end of myself and felt like, God, I need, 
I need something. I need to be refreshed in you. I need to know your love again in a fresh way. And he was faithful to do that. He brought me, it wasn't through prayer ministry. It wasn't through this dramatic encounter with God. It was just in a simple belief and placing my faith once again in his love for me. And I felt very overwhelmed because a season of six months and honestly beyond that kind of built up and, and I began to realize that, that God saw me through every season of my life. God saw me through the, the hard days. He saw me through the good days. But that his unconditional love was real. And, and so he started to speak verses to me, speak just that truth. That his forgiveness isn't just something that is dependent on our response. It's actually available all the time. And that we can enter into forgiveness. And I just became overwhelmed by the love of God. I became overwhelmed by the fact that he saw me even in my brokenness and saw me even in my pain. And so I remember going in um, one more time to, to settle August down one night. I remember one night in particular, I came back into the bedroom and August wasn't sleeping. He was crying his head off and I held him in my arms and it was for the first time I felt like my, my heart cry wasn't just to change the circumstance or change the, the thing that was causing pain in my heart or causing tiredness or fatigue. For the first time I was like, God, just give me love for him. Give me your love for him. Let me realize how much you love me first and then let me pass that love on to him. And even if he doesn't change, even if he still cries and even if he still, you know, doesn't respond to that, like it's still okay. I still have a God in heaven that loves me. And to my surprise, when I had that heart posture, August settled completely down. (laughs) And so I think what made the difference and the key that I found was acknowledging that even in my circumstances, if they didn't change or even if they got worse, the truth remains the same, that God still loves me and sees me. And I think I see that in Jesus when he went to the cross. He went through some pretty tough circumstances and they didn't improve. Every time they beat him, every time they abused him, Jesus' heart was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So they beat him again. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then they pinned him up on the cross, ended it, buried him. But Jesus' heart was always, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. There's something that Jesus saw in us that we didn't even see in ourselves as humans. So if this is a lifestyle, that maybe as I'm preaching, you're feeling like, I don't live in that. That's not something that I know to be true. I'm praying for you that today would be the day that you would know God's love personally. That it wouldn't just be something that you see in someone else or something that you believe because someone else is living a certain way. But it's something that you believe for yourself on a personal level. And if that's you, I'd invite you to go for prayer. Ask somebody, say, I want to know this type of love. I want to know a God in heaven that's paid everything for me. Nobody owes me a thing, and it's my privilege to love others. That's the lifestyle of a true follower of Jesus, and that's the lifestyle that I want to be a part of in our time here in Glasgow. Who knows what God's going to do? We're here long term, and we're a part of Rehope Church. And that's the message that I feel constantly that God brings me back to, is to, be, to receive his love and to become that love to people around us. So how do we respond to this in Acts 2? Verse 37 says, Now when they heard this, the people were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So our response is to repent, which I love, 
Because repent actually in the Greek means to change your mind and to think differently than you've ever thought before. It has a lot to do with how you think, what you believe, which in turn influences your life and influences your behavior. So our call is to repent and to come back to God and to receive his love, to change our life, to give our life to him and say, God, you can, get, you can have everything. And then to be baptized. I love that. Next week we're going to celebrate some baptisms. And so if you've never been baptized or if today you're like, I want to give my life to Jesus and I don't want to wait any longer. I want to get baptized. Come talk to me after service and I'd love to share with you about what that could look like. And, and we just want to come along people in that, that area of baptism. So, yeah, the crowds ask what they must do in response to that. And we must all ask ourselves that same question. What is our response? What is the response that God is calling you today? So I'm going to invite you to close your eyes as we kind of wind down. Um, There's no challenges. The challenge is to surrender to God. Even if you're a Christian and known Jesus for years and years, the challenge is still the same, to surrender to God. Maybe you need to recommit your life to him. Maybe you need to say, I've been living a religious lifestyle. I've been living, I've just been coming to church, but yet I don't have that intimacy that I know is available through the cross. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've never heard this before. And if that's true, I'd say welcome. Like this is a family of people that are pursuing what it means to follow Jesus. And if that's something you want to do today, come talk to one of us. We'll pray with you. And you can start that journey with God today. But let's all just like, with our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, um, if that is you and you're wanting to respond, just hold out your hands. I'm just going to bless you and pray for you. God, I thank you for the gift of the cross. I thank you for the gift that you paid the price for us to be set free, not just to go to heaven someday, but to live life in you, a life that is empowered and devoted to your love in us and flowing through us to the people around us. God, I pray if there's anyone in this room that is feeling just a stirring even right now in their hearts and know that this is a moment that they need to step into, a moment of faith that they need to say yes to you in a new way, God, I pray that you would lead us to what that looks like. Holy Spirit, I invite you to bring the reality of your love into our hearts in this moment. And if we've been looking to things in our life or looking for circumstances to change, God, I pray that you would restore in us that same heart that you had, Jesus, where even though your circumstances didn't change and even even though they got worse, that we still have a gift in you, a gift of relationship and a privilege of knowing that the God in heaven saw us on our darkest days and saw us on our, our worst days, saw us in our sin and our brokenness, and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So God, I I just bless this group, and I bless just the truth of the gospel this Easter to ring true in our hearts that we would know what it means to follow you. In the name of Jesus, amen.